Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. When we confess the creed, our Christian and apostolic faith, as our confirmation students have just done, we are confessing that the three persons of the, the three persons of the Holy Trinity, that they each have an activity, a special activity ascribed especially to them, and each one of their activities is accompanied by great signs and wonders. The work of God the Father is creation. Light came out of darkness. The work of God the Son is redemption. Jesus finished work on the cross. There was light that was turned into darkness. The fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, which we read earlier, the sun being darkened. The work of God, the Holy Spirit, is sanctification. Setting us apart, sanctifying us, setting us apart to be sons and daughters of God. And again, darkness is turned back into light. But this one we can't see. The work of God, the Holy Spirit, is to convert our dead, dark hearts to the light of God's truth. Now, on the day of Pentecost, this was shown by the tongues of fire and speaking in other languages. But just because you don't have a tongue of fire over your head this morning, or you can't speak in many other languages all of a sudden, doesn't mean that you haven't been called, enlightened, or sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In fact, Peter says there will be a great and wondrous event, just one you can't see. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Pentecost is about the great signs and wonders that cannot be seen, cannot be felt, but a promise to be believed. God calls us to faith. Light comes out of darkness. Our darkened and hardened hearts are made alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, you being made alive by the power of the Holy Spirit, let's all praise God and bless our neighbor Please rise and stand uh, and sing our festival hymn, O Holy Spirit, Enter In.
Our Holy Gospel for Pentecost Sunday is recorded by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14. We read in Jesus' name. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will hold on to my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who does not love me does not hold on to my words. The word that you are hearing is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I've told you these things while staying with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I told you. Peace be with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, and do not let it be afraid. You heard me tell you, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not speak with you much longer, because the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me. But I want the world to know that I love the Father, and I am doing exactly what the Father has instructed me. Get up, let's leave this place. This is the gospel of Christ. He praised for his glad tidings. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. It's easy at Pentecost to become focused on the wrong things. The sights and the sounds of the fire and the speaking in tongues, the feeling of the rushing wind. And then we skip over Peter's great sermon on to the next important thing, that 3,000 people came to faith. But none of those things are the main thing of Pentecost. Each one of those things, wind, fire, and speaking in tongues, each of those signifies a way that the Holy Spirit works. The wind signifies the means through which the Holy Spirit works. You can't see wind. You can only hear it. And so the way that the Holy Spirit works, the means through which the Holy Spirit works, is through the Word, through what is heard. Fire is what the Holy Spirit does. Fire purges, it refines. Fire purges our hearts from sin and refines them. He makes them new and pleasing to God. Speaking in tongues signifies who the Holy Spirit calls. Every single person in Jerusalem heard those disciples speaking in their own native language. In other words, God wants all people to be saved from every nation. And so it's important to understand that these external things are not the thing in and of themselves, but rather they point to the person, God the Holy Spirit. Because what, what can happen is, uh, if we're focused on the wrong things, and these external things, that we can end up replacing God the Holy Spirit with external things. We begin to trust in, in what we can see or feel, rather than what God has said. We get the false idea that to be truly saved, we need to have an experience like those disciples in Jerusalem. We've got to feel something. We need to see the results. 
those 3,000 are a good test for this. There are 3,000 that were brought to faith, and so the external growth of the church can be the thing that we trust in, the external thing that we trust in. The church isn't growing well, then that means the Holy Spirit must not be working here. Or at least other churches that are larger, that, that have more youth programs and more confirmation students, well, they must be doing something, right? And the Holy Spirit must surely be working there. You can't work here. Too small. We idolize those external things. If not speaking in tongues, then certainly we idolize improvement in our lives. If not uh, fire over our heads, then certainly we want to see some visible signs of the Holy Spirit is at work. Uh, maybe in terms of, of growth or, or prosperity or, or family or, or friends. If not a rushing wind, then certainly a great emotional uh, lift, a, a feeling of excitement. Churches become places not where the Holy Spirit does all the work to bring you, uh, to come to you through His gifts, His Word and sacraments, but where you have to do all the work through your emotions and feelings, and you have to bring yourself to God. And then when these things inevitably don't pan out the way we wanted, we can believe that the Holy Spirit, well, maybe He never actually intended to call me. Or maybe He never did. And so we doubt or we leave the faith. We trust in our inability to speak in other languages and our inability to do things rather than what was signified through the speaking in tongues that the Holy Spirit does call me apart from what I do. External things might be good, but to put any trust in them is to have a false God. And the end of a false God is only disappointment. And this is especially true today as we celebrate confirmation. It's quite possible for you, confirmation students, to be focused on the wrong thing. Namely, your confirmation. Let me tell you about something, uh, something about confirmation. Confirmation is not in the Bible. And you're like, what? You should have told me that two years ago. But Jesus never once commanded confirmation. Jesus did command that the church baptize all nations. He commanded that we teach and preach the gospel. He commanded that after a proper preparation, we receive the Lord's body and blood often. And as we heard from the last, last, last chapter, last verse in Acts, that the early church took that often to mean that not just when we feel like it, but every week. Yet Jesus never once commanded confirmation. Confirmation is a tradition an external thing. Of course, that doesn't mean it's bad. It's a way that we carry out Christ's command to the church right before he ascended into heaven to baptize and teach all nations in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But to focus on your confirmation and to put your trust in it, that this confirmation is your lifelong ticket to communion and to heaven, is to put you and your confession in the place of God the Holy Spirit. It's to make you God. And it's important to remember that baptism, which is commanded by our Lord and given a sure promise of salvation, does not save anyone without faith. So how much less can confirmation 
which is a tradition, save those without faith. Your faith, your baptism, your confession is all the work of the Holy Spirit, whom we celebrate today. As Jesus said, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything I told you. As you confess in the Creed, I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Ghost has called me by the Gospel and enlightened me with his gifts. Confirmation, then, is you confirming the faith that you were baptized into that you had no part in creating. And then after we hear your confession, we grant you the full privileges of fellowship and communion in our church. And let me tell you another thing that you should not put your trust in, another external thing. Your church. It should come as no surprise to you that no church is without sin. It's not that once you're confirmed, you get to be perfect like all of us old people. Not one of us gets to be the only sinner here. And actually, what most people don't realize is that you, catechumens, have been catechizing us just as much as you've been on the receiving end. I encourage you all at the beginning of the year that every day when you got up to do as our catechism, as Luther uh, instructed in the catechism to wake up and to make the sign of the Holy Cross in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to recite the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and the Ten Commandments. And your dedication, Sasha, especially to learning Scripture, to learning the faith, to memorizing the, the chief parts of the catechism, to prioritizing Jesus over other things in your life. And all of you, I know you've given up things, uh, uh, things, uh, sports and, and other things uh, at school to be present, not just today, but, but throughout the year. That's not the exception. That's the norm. Through your catechesis, every single adult member of this congregation should feel called to ponder their own life and to look to you as an example of embodying the Christian life. To rise daily with Christ to put the hearing of the Word of God as the most holy and important thing in your life, to confess your sins according to the Ten Commandments, and to be renewed by your baptism, in your baptism, by faith daily in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Through your catechesis, or confirmation rather, is not a linear thing that, that ends today. It's circular, as, as one theologian put a catechesis as a series of explorations that, that radiate outward from these basic truths of Scripture that you've learned into every area of your life, home, society, and church, all flowing back again to the meditative reading of Scripture and prayer. But again, your confirmation is not the main thing. And we can look at our for catechumens today in our one confirmand, which is a far cry from the 3,000 that were there on the day of Pentecost. I can go downstairs here and I can look at the dozens of pictures of old confirmation students on the wall. And how many of those students are, are still here? A handful. You know, pastors as well as parents can begin to think 
Well, well, we did everything right. We followed the instructions. Where did we go wrong? But lest we despair, we need to focus, again, on the main thing. And the main thing is not our work. The main thing, after all, is the work of the Holy Spirit. Consider how Peter, who three times denied Jesus and once failed to confirm his faith in the presence of Jesus, is now standing preaching by the power of the Holy Spirit by whom 3,000 people are brought to faith. Peter's confession of faith is not Peter's doing. It's not the work of his parents, but the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, besides calling and enlightening you with his gifts, also promises through the Word of God to preserve you. He keeps you in the one true faith, along with the whole Christian church on earth. And because this is true, Jesus promises through the Holy Spirit to give you peace and comfort that the world cannot give. Consider what happened to those 3,000. Within just a few short years, they would be hunted down, persecuted, and most of them killed by the world for their faith. Not exactly the exciting sights, sounds, and feelings of Pentecost, but a struggle. Nevertheless, Jesus said, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. So do not let your heart be troubled, do not let it be afraid. The world wants you to cherish external things. Being healthy, pain-free, having friends, enjoying life, big group of people. But all those things will fade away. The comfort of the Holy Spirit, however, is different. It remains when the fire burns, when hunger fills your stomach, when you have no money, when your friends desert you, when your family hates you. The comfort of this world leaves you on your deathbed. But the comfort of the Holy Spirit, even there, remains. The comfort of this world is fragile and fleeting. The comfort of the Holy Spirit endures forever. And that is why today, even though it's an external thing, we rejoice at Sasha's confirmation. Because she has received the peace of the Holy Spirit. It's a peace that will comfort her throughout her life. It's a peace that will sustain her in the true Christian faith to life everlasting. So, Sasha, peace be with you. Not as the world gives, but as Jesus gives. Do not let your heart be troubled, and do not let it be afraid. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.